You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to segment two of our Rare and Mythic Rare set review here for Lords of Limited. We are back with Red. Ethan, take us away on the first card. All right, our first Red Rare is Angrath's Marauders. Five Red Red for a 4-4 human pirate. And it says, if a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. So a permanent uh, insult on all of your creatures. Card is powerful. So this was similar to the white one. I thought, like, this shouldn't cost seven. This should cost six or five. Right. So I gave this a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because of the treasure bump, um, because it is a powerful effect. It's just horribly overcosted. And I like that it's in a color that has treasures that makes me feel better about the treasure thing than the white one yep but yeah so it's like again it's kind of like a seven mana eight four and it's nice that it's only stuff that you control is dealing double the damage well and what you said like you can play this pre-combat main and then right so that's the dream is like when you play it pre-combat main and you've got a and then you and then it enables like great attacks for you or like back-breaking attacks even better the times when it's bad is when you're behind. Or when your opponent bounces it. Or when your opponent After you sacrifice it. Oh two treasures God. to play it out. Oh, that's bad. Well, hopefully hopefully you're you're not setting yourself up for that. But yeah, I don't know. This still seems a little expensive for me and a little bit one-sided. Or a little bit, um, like, not quite win more, but close to win more. I just gave it a C. I gave it a B minus, thinking that you could maybe ramp it out with treasures. Maybe And maybe I'm overestimating that benefit. Uh, if if the treasure thing weren't a factor, I would be joining you in the C range, like C C plus. Yeah, I think this is very interesting because so I listen as you did when you edited, but I listened to all of our comment on comments set reviews. And I think in general I was higher on a lot of those cards than you were, and it feels like you're higher on a lot of the rares than I am. Is where we're trending. It's an interesting thing. All right, well, what's the next one? I'm excited about this guy. Burning Suns Avatar. Three red, red, red for a 6-6 dinosaur avatar. When Burning Suns Avatar enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to target opponent and three damage to up to one target creature. Card is great. This card is great. Yeah, I mean, it's going to kill a thing, deal damage to your opponent, and leave behind a very relevant body. I think that all adds up to an A-. Ooh, I gave it a B plus. But I mean, we're splitting hairs. Card's good. We're, we're splitting hairs, but I do think this is... A bomb-ish range. Because it, it does what you want. Like, it's great on attacks. It's great on... It's great when you're uh, ahead. It's great when you're behind. It's great at parity. All right. A-. minus. Triple red's like the only knock against it, I think. Yep. A-. minus. Next up, we have Captain Lannery Storm. Two and a red for a 2-2 human pirate with haste. Whenever Captain Lannery Storm attacks, create a treasure token. And whenever you sacrifice a treasure, Captain Lannery Storm gets plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. So my boy Samball49 uh, streams himself at his pre-release. So he was streaming at his like midnight pre-release on Friday. Yeah, that's so awesome that he does that. It's really awesome. Uh, spoiler, we are going to be, uh, our plan is to stream our testing for the GP on Friday. Ooh, that sounds super cool. Is that going to be going on after the school day? Am I going to be able to watch? I think so. I mean, we're, I think it's going to start uh, like in that, like late afternoon-ish is when we're going to start and then hopefully go for a while. That sounds um, awesome. I will be yeah. tuning in for sure if it's going on after school. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is because I, when I first saw this card, I evaluated it as kind of middling, which it may still be. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I, like, That's I gave exactly it a, what I thought. I gave it a C. I gave it a C. He had this card in his pool and I saw it in play, uh, I think on two occasions and both times I was pretty impressed by it. Just because of the making treasure aspect, like not like was it was it good because it was not it couldn't have been good because it was sacking treasure to pump it right. The treasure no. was ramping him. It's just like yeah, just the fact that like it makes a treasure. So its base level is a three mana three two haste, right? Yes. On its own. Yes. Which is like fine. That's a C. Fine. That's a C. Yeah. That's why I gave it a C. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's a little a little better than it looks because it, it can snowball. Like, if it gets through once, it's that's pretty sweet, because then you're going to get another treasure. Like, the fact that it's a three-power thing on turn three with haste is also very good. Like, I, I just think that it's, it's I think it's a better C than we think it is. That's all I want to want to bring up. I was impressed by seeing it on the battlefield. So, C+. Plus? Uh, yeah, maybe C+. Plus. Okay, Captivating Crew is next. Three and a red for a 4-3 human pirate. Its ability is a threaten on a stick. It has three and a red as many times as you want. Gain control of target creature and opponent controls until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So initially, I had this 
as insane because I missed the last sentence there. You missed an absurd. <laughs> the last sentence, we sail, we plunder, then we dance. <laughs> Not that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> second, second to last sentence. <laughs> I'm reading all flavor text from now on, Ben. <laughs> I, I literally, like, I've, in our whole set review, I've never read a single word of the flavor text. <laughs> never, never. And I know there's some people out there that really like that, and I get it. Like, I mean, that's awesome. You do you. It's just not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just no, not, not at all. So, Captivating Crew, I think, is still really good, despite the fact yes. that you can't use it on defense. It's already efficiently costed. Four mana, four three is fine. Mm-hmm. And then the ability is super, super powerful. I still yeah. ended up giving this an A-, minus. maybe it's a B+. Plus. I think this card's going to do some serious work. I think for this to be an A-, minus, you might want to be in build-around territory. Like, to have sacrifice outlets, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, a, it's an expensive effect. Certainly, if you are... Like, it's great at parity or when you're ahead. And I think the like the fact that it's not super great when you're behind. I mean, a 4-mana four 4-3 four is just fine when you're behind, too. But and maybe that... I don't know. I, I, I went B+. I'm not quite ready to call this a bomb. Okay. I mean, we'll certainly see. It's a very good card. And, and the fact that this exists does make it look like that red-black deck, sacrifice deck, is going to come together. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, next up we have Rampaging Ferocidon. Two and a red for a 3-3 dinosaur with menace. Players can't gain life. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Ferocidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. Is this like a cube auto-include? I think so, yeah. And I think this is like way better in constructed. It's good in limited, but I think this is way better for constructed than it is in limited probably. Yeah. So I think people are going to have a tendency to overrate this card. I agree. I mean, it's, it's basically a 3-mana, three 3-3 three, three menace. Like, Players Can't Gain Life is going to be relevant against vampire decks or against some white decks. Uh, whenever another creature enters the battlefield that deals damage to that creature's controller, again, looks like it's going to hose vampire decks with, like, token-making stuff. Well, I mean, that's just going to be good, though. Like, if you're aggressive, this card's just good in an aggressive deck. Good in an aggressive deck. But I also think in a, like, in a mid-range, like, you're going to play this in a mid-range deck. You're going to play this in, in, like, all your red decks. Yeah. But it's not a pull into red. I think it's a C+. I gave it a B-. I do think in a in a red aggressive deck, this this makes me if I if I open this card and it's the best card in the pack. I mean, maybe it won't be the best card in the pack, but I, this pulls me into a red aggressive deck. I think that last line of text is pretty relevant. Yeah, you're probably right because because they're getting punished as they're, they're getting trying punished to, like, as they're trying to state commit yeah. threats to the board. Yep. Yeah, that might, that might be right. Maybe it is yeah, C plus B minus pushing into B minus range for me. Cool. All right. Next, we've got repeating barrage. Arr. <laughs> yes. Barrage. <laughs> one red red for a sorcery repeating barrage deals three damage to target creature or player raid three red red return repeating barrage from your graveyard to your hand activate this ability only if you attack with the creature this turn one red red deal three damage to target creature or player what would you grade that b minus yeah if you return this once and cast it again which is a, a huge investment five mana to just return it so you have to like be that's a big do nothing then you get to cast it again that's a uh, one card 11 mana it's still pretty good, though, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly all upside. I, I gave this, this a B plus. Yeah, I, I pushed this into A minus range, but maybe it's maybe it's closer to B plus. I just feel like I would give giving repeating barrage like a B B plus, and then just that like extra bit of like if you have some inevitability with this, it's pretty sick. So why? Well, I didn't go into the A range because of what you said that it was so expensive, like so it, it so, is so clunky expensive. to do that. But if you do have time, I mean, it's going to. But win there's the game. treasures, Ben. There are treasures, but that's only letting you do it one more time, and then mm. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's certainly good. If I get to do this twice, I feel like I've I've done it. I feel like I, if I do this twice, this is an A or an A minus. Uh, I think I would want three times before I felt that way about it. You greedy, greedy boy. I know. Yeah, but very, very good card. I can't imagine there are many things you're going to take over this. All right, next up. Sunbird's Invocation. We are going to talk about this for a while, I feel like. I don't think we are. Oh, good. Okay. Five and red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a spell from your hand, reveal the top X cards of your library, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. You may cast a card revealed this way without... With converted mana cost X or less without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Okay, so I want to talk about this card in sort of uh, layman's terms. So it's a six mana enchantment that does nothing when you play it. Then you play another spell. Let's say that thing costs four mana. 
you're going to reveal the top four cards of your library, and if something costs four or less from among those cards, you can cast it without paying its mana cost, and then you Which put the rest of the cards on the bottom. Great. That's great, right? Yep. But how often is that going to happen? I think pretty often. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm nervous about this card. Are you? I, yeah. I already was looking at this card, and I thought this card was good. And then DC Sports tweeted at us and said it was the real deal, and that was all the confirmation I needed. He also told. He also told. Look, uh, DC Sports is a, a, a Twitch legend. He's just like omnipresent in every stream. He also was like, I watched uh, Matt Severus mill someone out with the blue enchantment. I think that card is still garbage. So like, just because someone can win with something doesn't mean it's good. But uh, he didn't say that card was the real deal, right? I mean, he's pretty spiky. I don't think he would say yeah. that card was the real deal unless it was good. All right. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm maybe I just need to see this in play. So talk, talk, talk to me about it. What, 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 what do you think about this card? It seems like an insanely powerful finisher in a control deck. Uh, assuming you're not like dying, you're immediately the following turn probably casting two spells in one turn for the rest of the game. I don't game. think you are. For the rest of the game, no way. Okay, your two drops and your three drops are not going to hit. Your two drops are not going to hit. Your four, your four plus drops, I think, are How many four plus drops are you going to have? Mm, in a controlling deck? I mean, you're, you're building your deck around this card. Okay, how many, how many four plus drops besides this are you going to have in a deck? I don't know. Eight, ten? Ten? <laughs> eight, eight, eight. <laughs> like, so eight. So that's a fifth of your deck? Yeah. So, it's, so you're not drawing two cards the rest of the game. And then there's also like, I mean, it's not going to happen that much, but there are awkward times. Like you've played with card, like cards that give you, like red cards that do this effect before that where you don't want to cast the card that you reveal. It doesn't happen that much, but can happen. Like you don't have a target for something. It's a combat trick, whatever. I think, I think this is a, a this is not as like clear as six mana do nothing enchantment but once you untap you're going to be getting like a card's worth of value every turn for the rest of the game it's not even like drawing a card it's casting the card that's so powerful even just like hazard's undying fury was so powerful Uh, really i just Uh. think you i don't know it sounds like you're pretty high on this and i think you got to walk it back a little bit i am pretty high on this card um I was already thinking it was good, and then maybe maybe my grade is reflective of the fact that I got the DC Sports stamp of approval. <laughs> do you want do you want do you want to hear my grade? I do want to hear your grade. I gave I'm gonna, I gave a, a build around B plus. I think this card's gonna be like very good. The letter grade I have in my Excel spreadsheet is an F. Oh, I guess after the after so DC saw it in play, so I guess it's gotta like gotta be better than that but i think this is you this is a serious build around and this is not netting you a card of value every turn guaranteed it's not guaranteed no certainly not i don't know maybe maybe i'll I'll get out of f range and put it in like d maybe build around c range but i I am i get i will not be uh the first i think to play with this card i think i need to see it against me first and maybe maybe that that certainly was in the context of sealed like maybe it's a little less good in draft it certainly seems like nuts yeah. and sealed to me. Nuts? I still think I still don't know how how high your curves are, and it does seem like a lot of the decks that people are posting that I'm seeing on Twitter from sealed this weekend at least are are aggressive. Are aggressive? Yeah. I mean, if the format ends up being aggressive, this card's not going to be good. Yeah. I guess I'm maybe I'm just living in Hour of Devastation, Magical Christmas Land. Like, what, like this format, this card would be great in Hour of Devastation, right? I guess, yeah. Like, wouldn't you be, wouldn't you be, like... I would be I thrilled guess, with this in the Ritualist deck, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I think, so I think maybe I'm looking at this in the context of the last format, which was super sweet, and you could do whatever, whatever. you wanted. Yeah. So, uh, so, I probably, oh, God, I really don't want you to be right. I thought you were going to be high <laughs> on this card with me. <laughs> That's why I was like, I, when you were like, no, I don't think we need to talk about this card. I was like, oh, great, we're both going to give it Fs and we can move on. Uh yeah, I don't know. We we only time will tell. All right, so I'm gonna revise my statement as if if there's time in the format to do something like this, this is gonna be a good card. And if there's not, it's not gonna be a good card. Yeah, it will that's be. that's what's gonna determine how good because the card is powerful. Would you, would you give it that? Uh, it's powerful. Yeah, I just don't know how much better. Uh, okay, you do get to cast the cards. So you are gaining mana off of it. I guess it, you don't need to work that hard to just like replace itself like. If you if you play a four drop and then get to cast something off of it, you're like nearly there because you're drawing the thing and casting the thing. But 
it, it, you just have to be able to spend six mana to do literally nothing. You do, yeah. I mean, I, I think that card is going to be very clear very early on in the format after playing with it. All, All right, right, I don't want to talk about this card anymore. I don't either. <laughs> next up, <laughs> Tilanali's Skin Shifter. Two and a red for a zero one Human Shaman. It's got haste. Whenever it attacks, it becomes a copy of another target non-legendary attacking creature until end of turn. I, I don't like this card. <laughs> do you not? I do not. Uh, I think it's fine. I gave it a C plus. I gave it a D. I think if it's, so, it's horrible on defense, right? That's the knock against it. Yeah, it's literally it's literally not a card on defense. I, I was thinking it was really bad too. And then if if it's attacking, like if you've got another card that's attacking, presumably you've got a good attack with whatever card you're attacking with. So like yeah. ideally, you would probably want a second card of the copy that you have a good attack with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's like. If I like Captain Lannery Storm at C+, but Captain Lannery Storm has actual stats and can block and can trade up if you sack treasures. Yeah, I'm going to stick with D. I still think that this is basically only good if you have a creature on board and you have good attacks with that creature and this creature. And It's very situational. Too. It's, so, it's too situational for me, I think. But it's very situationally powerful. Yes, for sure. I, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to get blown out by this card. It's going, like, I'm sure I will play it eventually in some, like, hyper aggro decks. But generally, I'm, I'm not excited about this card. So here's my takeaway from this Rare and Mythic Rare set review so far. I, yeah. I think I have a little bit more of a, a best case scenario mentality uh, addiction to rares <laughs> than I would <laughs> like to admit. <laughs> it's okay ben you're 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 in uh you're in a safe space here you're ke- you're keeping me in check this is good yeah next up we have vance's blasting cannons this is the red flip uh enchantment to land it's three and a red for a legendary enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of your library if it's a non-land card you may cast that card this turn whenever you cast your third spell in a turn you may transform vance's blasting cannons and it becomes Spitfire Bastion, which is a legendary land that can tap for red mana. Or you can pay two and a red to tap it to deal three damage to target creature or player. Whew. I, this is a legendary enchantment flip land I can get behind. Yeah, this one's good. So I think it requires a bit of a build around. Um, one, because you, I think you want uh, cheap spells because you really want to be able to enable this card. Mm-hmm. So I think you want to have a low curve. So yeah. certainly, I think it's nice and aggressive decks. It also like is providing you card advantage, so you're incentivized to have cheap stuff so that you can uh, be able to cast the thing that you reveal. Worth mentioning that unlike some effects that red has had like this, you don't get to play lands off of this. You only get to cast spells off of it. Yep. I think that's a knock against it for sure. I think it's a knock against it for sure as well, but not so much so. But I did give this a build around grade, um, but in a deck, uh, I think this is a build around like B, B plus. That's what I gave it. I gave it a build around B plus too. And I think even if you don't build around it, it's still going to probably make the cut in all of your red decks. Like Vance, agree, Vance's, Vance's sure. Blasting Cannons on its own is a fine card. Yeah. And then if you're flipping it into Spitfire Bastion, it's just insanely good for you. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the Mythics. Our first mythic is Rowdy Crew, two red red for a 3-3 human pirate. It's got Trample. When Rowdy Crew enters the battlefield, draw three cards and discard two cards at random. If two cards that share a card type are discarded that way, put two plus one plus one counters on Rowdy Crew. So you've got some small chance to hit a 5-5 Trample for four mana. But not- very, very, notably... Very small chance. Yeah, very small chance. But four mana, 3-3 three, three, Trample, draw a card. I think, I think draw three, discard two at random is better than draw a card. Do you agree with that? Draw three, discard two at random is better than draw a card? Yeah. I disagree with that. Why? Uh, I don't know. I guess because you can set... I guess you get to control when you cast this, so theoretically you're casting it when you have stuff you're okay to pitch. Yeah, like two lands so in hand is better or than you or... is better than draw a card. Yeah, okay, you're right. So I, th- I mean, I think this card is just rock solid. Uh, I give it a B plus. What is mythic about this card? I don't know. A it bunch just, of it just pirates, like a rare, yeah, drunken on a ship. <sighs> you give it a B plus. Maybe it's just a B. It's a it's a four mana three three trample. Yes, that draws you a card. What, what, what do you get? Four mana three three trample. Uh, C C minus C C minus. Yeah, that's what I that's what I think. And then. It draws you a card. You draw three, then discard two. I guess I keep... I did miss that you are net... I, I missed that you're netting a card also. Okay, yeah. This is a... I think I'm at... I'm at B. Yeah. Yeah, B. I think... And, and, and then, like, 
maybe the fact that maybe you're five pirates is, and it could be a five five yeah or no no it's not card that's not what it's saying like it's two creatures or two oh. lands right oh right isn't yes. that what that means that is what that means god reading is hard <laughs> jesus oh man yeah okay fine b b b plus sounds good <laughs> okay <laughs> onwards i was like on this being a tribal set and i was just like god you have to discard two pirates <laughs> okay the other mythic rare is star of extinction it's five red red this is this is some sad art man uh the dinos are dying five red red for a sorcery destroy target land star of extinction deals 20 damage to each creature and each planeswalker so a seven mana wrath but with the Ben Wernie, there are treasures floating around. Why is this so expensive clause? This doesn't seem that ridiculous. No, but I don't think it's going to be great. I mean, I think no. it's going to be fine. I like that it deals 20 damage. Like, you're just you're killing the dinos. They're dying, okay? Yep, dinosaur's down. I mean, a 7-mana wrath is still a wrath. Uh, like, what would you have given hour of, of white wrath at the end of that format? C+, plus, B-, minus. Yeah, maybe. I guess that was probably a C plus. I, I I was never, I was taking it if I was in white. I wasn't going into white for that card. This I think might be a little better. Yep, I gave it. I gave it a B minus. I did give it a B minus as well. All right, green rares. Our first rare is Deathgore's Scavenger. This is two and a green for a three two dinosaur. When Deathgore's Scavenger enters the battlefield or attacks, you may exile target card from a graveyard. If a creature card is exiled this way, you gain two life. If a non-creature card is exiled this way, Deathgore's Scavenger gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So that's a lot of text for some marginal upside, in my opinion. It's Kitchen Sphinx. It is not Kitchen Sphinx. Or Kitchen Sphinx. <laughs> three mana, three, two, that gains you life when it comes into play, and then it's going to gain you It's gonna gain you four life, probably. And then it's not coming back and doing it again. <laughs> no. Let's get out of here. This card's fine. It's a C+. That's what I gave it. C plus, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, it's going to be better than your average card in your limited deck. All right. Deep Root Champion is next. It's one and a green for a 1-1 one, one for a Merfolk Shaman. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Deep Root Champion. This card is interesting. It's interesting. It's... It feels weak to me. So if... It feels like they're the... I mean, it's so hard to evaluate these cards without seeing what decks look like in this format. Well, I that's think what, Blue-Green, that's I what think we're Blue-Green doing. Merfolk feels like a tempo deck to me and this seems like it wants to slot into a tempo deck i mean as soon as you hit your second non-creature spell this card is above rate significantly yes it's a lot of setup it is a lot of setup for sure like i just think i'm there are i want i think the the two mana two one flyer in blue or the thing that becomes a flyer if you have another merfolk in blue and the two mana two two uh, what is it whenever you cast another merfolk you get a Plus three, it gets plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. I think those are both better options in the two drop slot than this. I agree. So I think, I mean, you probably play it, but I don't know how many non-creature spells you're going to end up with in those decks. Like you'll you'll want some amount of bounce, you'll want some amount of fight cards, or some amount of the like combat tricks. But you're still probably mostly creatures, like sixteen creatures in that deck. So I don't know. I think this is tricky in those decks and I, I'm, I'm sort of on like c minus d plus range i just gave it a straight c i think it's gonna slot right into blue green merfolk i don't think it's gonna be a, i don't think it's gonna be a good card but i think it's gonna be a playable you think you're cutting this card from your blue green merfolk deck i wouldn't be surprised if, if it did I, I don't i don't know if it's i don't think it's always making the cut no i think uh depending on what my spell creature split is and what my like curve looks like this could end up in the sideboard yeah that's probably fair yeah all right what's next Emperor's Vanguard. Three and a green for a 4-3 human scout. When Emperor's Vanguard deals combat damage to a player, it explores. Now this, I can get behind. Yeah, this card's good. I mean, it's not insane, but it's good. No, rock solid. I mean, again, four mana, four, three. That's like fine. That's C range. But this, this is awkward. And it, it backed up by any amount of like combat tricks or uh, bounce or pump spells. Like, I don't I think if this explores once it's pretty great yeah if it explores once it's good if it explores more than once it's great yeah i landed on solid b i gave it a b minus definitely makes me want to play green next up we have growing rights of 
Itlamok. This is the last of our uh, enchantment land flips. It's two and a green for a legendary enchantment. When growing rights of Itlamok enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. At the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures, transform growing rights of Itlamok, and it becomes... Itlamok Cradle of the Sun. Uh, cradle. It's a legendary land. Ooh, I didn't even catch that. Taps for a green mana, or it can tap for a green mana for each creature you control. So throwing back to Gaia's Cradle. Yeah. But, like, is that good? Once you have four creatures in play, no. how badly do you need a land that taps for four mana? You don't. So... It's not an embarrassing card that it's like it re- it's probably going to replace itself. Three mana, look at the top four, find a creature. But you're going to miss some percent of the time. But it's just it's a lot. It's a lot of setup for a card that I'm not super excited about in limited. I don't know if this has constructed applications, but in normal triple Ixalan draft, I don't think this card is going to be that good. I don't either. I gave it a D. I could even see it being a D minus. Yeah, I gave it a D also. All right. Next up, we've got Old Growth Dryads. I hope this is a short conversation. There's (laughs) single green for a 3-3. When Old Growth Dryads enters the battlefield, each opponent may search his or her library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle his or her library. Ethan, what grade did you give this? D minus. I give it an F. Yeah. Uh, So I want to just talk very, very briefly. Sorry to... I know you wanted this to be a short conversation. About the difference between this and the one and a black 4-3 at Uncommon. That's what what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I want to talk... Throw back to this because... So let's have uh, a long conversation. (laughs) What's that? Let's have a long conversation instead. So uh, Ben and I really disagreed. There's an Uncommon. I forget the name. It's a one and a black for a 4-3 creature. When it dies, your opponent gets two treasure tokens. So I was watching uh, Semulan's set review on Twitch Mm -hmm. uh, briefly, and he was going over this card. And his first thought was, he was like, so I'm gaining two mana when I cast this. Because he's like, normally you would expect to pay four mana for a 4-3. Yes. So when I'm initially casting this, I'm basically cracking two treasures. Yes. And I thought that was a really interesting way to think about it. Like, you're getting the mana when you cast this and then if your opponent gets to kill it in some way they're gonna get the mana that back. treasure but you get the benefit of the mana boost while that card's in play and doing work exactly so you yeah. you get it on the front side that is a very interesting way to think about it so that i felt like really put it in, into perspective i was like yes yeah, like that i feel like i didn't articulate that during our set review but that's what I, I like that you get the benefit of the rate initially and then like unless they kill it there's there's like some the Removal in the format is clunky enough that, like, killing that is kind of hard if it's not in combat. And so then, and if they are killing it, they're probably spending, you know, they're they're spending a five-mana removal spell to kill your two-drop. And then you're probably, like, it's a wash, right? So I think that card is, is, I still really like that card. I'm still down on that card. So here's here's the difference. That, that when you think of it in that frame, that card looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. But, like, you spent your two-mana of ramp on a vanilla 4-3. Like, mm-hmm. Whereas your opponent gets to, presumably a couple turns later in the game, spend their two mana of ramp to probably cast like a much more powerful card on their side of the battlefield. That's why mm-hmm. I'm lower on that card. Yeah. Because I think, I think you're getting the benefit initially of the ramp, but I think your opponent is getting a much bigger benefit of the ramp when that card dies. Yes. So the difference between this card is... So it's... I mean, it's an amazing rate, a one mana 3-3. Your opponent gets the land immediately, and they get it for the rest of the game. That is a pretty big downside. So uh, the reason I'm just, like, not quite ready for F, but I wouldn't be surprised if I literally never play this, but, you know, maybe there's some hyper aggro deck, and I think this is less of a good effect against an opponent who is also aggressive, maybe, but it's just, like, them getting a land for free... Especially on turn one, when this is the best, like that's when you want your one mana three three, is uh, it's not good for you. It's really not that good for you. Um, nope. So I, I think this card is very very bad. All right, what do we got next? Ripjaw Raptor. This card is not very very bad. Two green green for a four five dinosaur, and it has enrage. Whenever Ripjaw Raptor is dealt damage, draw a card. This card's great. Yeah, this card is really good. I mean, already like a four mana four five is above rate for sure. And that, and as a relevant creature type, and its ability is amazing. That enrage ability is so good. 
I give this an A minus. I gave this an A minus as well on the back of efficiency. All right, what's next? I really like this card. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this card. Shaper's Sanctuary. This is a single green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. So I want to start by... I haven't actually done this. I wonder if you have. So a lot of these things have said spell or ability. Mm Mm-hmm. Are there repeatable abilities? Is there a tap effect or anything like that? That are there ways that creatures can target other creatures in this format, or repeatable abilities that are being targeted? There's our elaborate fire cannon. <laughs> There's an elaborate fire cannon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it feels like at the common uncommon level, that's not really there. At least not off the top of my head. No. Uh, there's the there's the red enchantment that pings one. Mm-hmm. Uh, repeatably. Okay. Yeah. But not, not not like a tapper, no. There's not a common or an uncommon tapper or something like that. So I don't think your creatures are going to be getting targeted by abilities that often. So it's mostly from, like, bounce spells or removal spells, yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't... My, I gave this a sideboard grade. I don't think I'm putting this in my main deck, but I think if my opponent has a lot of targeted uh, removal or bounce, that this card is really good out of the sideboard against them. Yeah, I gave it a sideboard B-. minus. Yep, that's exactly what I gave it. And I think there's also maybe another sweet thing where you could kind of go all in on, like, risky cards, like aggressive enchantments and things in your Merfolk deck. Mm-hmm. And this gives you, like, an insurance policy of not getting two-for-one in those right. situations. I mean, that's a little niche, but uh, mostly I think this card is going to be great out of the sideboard. Yeah, I think, and I think, again, like, this makes removal awkward for your opponent. Yeah, it turns every removal spell they drafted into you draw a card as well. This might just be, I mean, I, I guess this might just be more, this might be more main deckable and then you take it out against people who don't seem to have a lot of removal. Yeah, I th- I, regardless of where you choose to start it, I think it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I certainly think against some decks, it's going to be insanely good. Yeah. Like against control decks, it's going to be very good. And its power may not be visibly apparent because... If it's on the battlefield, you're not you may not see the amount of cards it's blanking from your opponent's hand. Right. Um, so just keep that in mind as well. Uh, next up we have Verdant Sun's Avatar, five green green for a five five dinosaur avatar, and whenever Verdant Sun's Avatar or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. It's Thrag Tusk, baby. It's not quite Thrag Tusk, but it is good. It's very good. So again, a seven mana five five is overcosted, but there are the the cards we talked about earlier that make dinosaurs cheaper or the green ramp effects sort of make this seem like it's it might be a six drop or a five drop and there's treasure floating around as well for that same uh, thought process um i like this card this i mean a five five that gains you five life when it comes into play is strong and then everything else being subsequent life gain is really nice i think this is a b minus i gave it a b I think it's rock solid, going to slot very well into a controlling deck, and your aggro opponents are going to groan when this hits the battlefield. And I'm putting I'm putting this in my belligerent Brontodon deck, faux show. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, next, we've got Waker of the Wilds. Two green green for a 3-3 three, three Merfolk Shaman. You could has the ability to pay two green and X. Put X plus one plus one counters on target land you control. That land becomes a 0-0 zero, zero elemental creature token with not not a token, becomes a 0-0 elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. So turn all your lands into man lands. Yeah, I mean, a 4-mana 3-3 is meh. That's like C-D+. minus mm-hmm. But this ability is relevant. It's really, like pretty yeah. dang good. It can take over the game in a board stall. Yeah, for sure. And also helps, and is great when you're ahead. It like, pushes you over the top when you're ahead, I think. Yeah. I like this card. I think it's like a rock solid B, maybe even B plus. I give it a B plus. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's only one mythic rare in green. Oh my and that... god! Why does this card exist? It's, yeah, no. This is gonna be such a groaner. This is Carnage Tyrant. Four green green for a seven six dinosaur. Carnage Tyrant can't be countered, and it has trample and hexproof. Super fun to play against. Oh yeah, this is like really interactive. Um, th- I mean, thank God it's mythic. Like that, that, it's so weird to think, but this does actually feel mythic to me. I'm like, great, I'm, I don't need to see this a lot. Yep, nope. This is uh, the rarity that Glorybringer should have been, right? Like yep. this this is going to be obnoxious to play against, but you're not going to play against it that often. Did this go into A range for you? Yep, I gave it an A minus. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. I think it's like the one knock against it is like when you're behind, this isn't a, a good thing to drop, but if they're going wide, it's really not, it's not going to help you catch up that much definitely think it's a, a solid bomb a minus 
All right, on to the colorless rares. Our first one up here is Conqueror's Galleon. This is a cool card. Four colorless mana for a 210 vehicle. Get your ship here that you're going to sail. When Conqueror's Galleon attacks, exile it at the end of combat, then return it to your battlefield transformed under your control. So we got a flip card here. We're going to see a lot of flip cards in these artifacts. Um, and it's got Crew 4. So four mana, 210 vehicle. It's got Crew 4. Crew 4 is a hefty cost. And then on the back side, you've got, it flips into Conqueror's Foothold, which is a land. It's got lots of abilities. It can tap to add a colorless mana. It's got two colorless mana tap, loot, draw a card, discard a card. Four colorless mana tap to draw a card. Six colorless mana tap, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. That is a lot of stuff on one card. Yeah. What do you make of all that? Uh, I think this card is a controlling card, mm -hmm. uh, like similarly to the elaborate fire cannon where we said, if Dirtle is an archetype, I think this pulls me into Dirtle a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and I gave it a B minus could be, could just be a C plus. I mean, it's super, super clunky. It's really hard to flip this. So you're, you're playing four mana for nothing for 210 that needs crew four, which is a hefty crew cost. Then you, so you're tapping probably two things to crew this? Yeah, or one big thing. More one big thing. But you're tapping that thing, and then you're tapping this, and then, so that thing is not going to be tapped, so like your defenses are down, so if you're in a control deck, you're not loving that um, trade of resources. And this flips and sets you up into a pretty sweet thing. I mean, I, do you remember a trading post? I do. That's like one of my favorite Dirtle cards, and this reminds <laughs> me of that. But it is, there's a lot of work that goes into making this feel like it's doing a lot of work for it, you know, for your deck. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical of this. And I, I, I'm also. I, I gave it a D. I, that doesn't shock me. I mean, I, I could easily just join you right now. I just, I'm, I guess I optimistically gave this like C plus, B minus because I'm hoping that it, it's good because it's a card I want to play with. But I mean, re realistically, you're probably a lot more right. Yeah. All right, next up we have Dowsing Dagger. This is a two-mana equipment. When Dowsing Dagger enters the battlefield, target opponent creates two O2 green plant creature tokens with Defender. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two, plus one. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may transform Dowsing Dagger, and it has an equip cost of two. Uh, when it flips, it flips into Lost Veil, which is a land that taps to add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. How is this not called Lotus Veil? I don't know. I mean, is that already a card, maybe? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. This is so weird, because I think in Limited, you don't want this to flip into a land. <laughs> I don't think you do either. Like, you want... If you want the equipment, then... Like, I feel like your opponent gets to decide when you have the equipment or when you don't anymore, which is a knock against this card. I think a two-mana equipment for plus two, plus one, equip two, we already sort of have that at common in Pirate's Cutlass. And this gives them two O2s, and then they get to decide when you don't have the equipment anymore. This all adds up to a card that I don't think is very good. Yeah, I, my notes on this card are, where does this go? Like, seven question marks. <laughs> it's, like, barely playable as a D. I give it a D plus. I mean, it's powerful. It's just, like, so at odds with itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a world where... If we, I feel like, how many cards have we started with? Like, if the control deck exists in a world but, where Dowsing Dagger is good, in a world where Dowsing Dagger is good, is a world where you're controlling, but you've got some evasive threats. So theoretically, uh, you you basically just get to get in with this the first time, and then you're going off with this insane. So, like land. if you play if you play a cheap flyer, like that one mana black bat or something, suited up with Dowsing Dagger, fly over the green plant tokens, and then all of a sudden you've got a lost veil. I mean, the card is powerful. Not even the not even a terrible flyer. The like like the one two that is the mesmeric fiend. You know, like that's that's a card that's going in a control deck. I mean, it's certainly powerful. It's a powerful effect. Um I think it's a, a D. Yeah, this is very situational. I gave it a D plus. All right, what's next? I love this card. Fell <laughs> Flagship. Uh, this is three colorless mana for a 3-3 three, three vehicle. You got your ship here that you're going to sail. Mm -hmm. Pirates you control. This is very flavorful. Pirates you control get plus one, plus O. Oh, and whenever Fell Flagship deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card. I already said it was a 3-3 three, three vehicle, I think. And it's got a crew cost of three. So this is pretty sweet in a Pirates deck because, I mean, not only is the Pirate effect to like pump up your team good with the plus one plus oh but it also turns your two power creatures into creatures that can crew this which is nice 
And a 3-mana 3-3, I don't know how often it's going to deal combat damage to a player, but when it does, them discarding a card is also very valuable. So I think this really only, I mean, only goes in a dedicated pirate stack. Would you agree? Uh, I disagree. Really? I think a 3-3 three, three vehicle that threatens to make somebody discard a card is good. And that, you think, so, wow. So the crew cost of three is expensive, man. Crew cost of three is expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you were you were pretty down on that three mana, four, three, crew, one. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is better than this in a non I guess I, I guess, yeah, I was ignoring the crew cost. All right. You are, you are best case scenario mentality <laughs> all over the place. I am. <laughs> wow. Yeah, all right, I'll join you on only a pirate deck. But I think in a pirate deck, this is a build around B. Yeah, I, de- I agree. Build around B, for sure. Okay, I just love, like, Hypnotic Specter and any card yeah. that looks like Hypnotic Specters. But it's not, it's also not at random. Like, you, like right. when, when your opponent hit you with Dream Stealer once, it wasn't the end of the world. No, yeah, you're right. Primal Amulet is next. It's four mana for an artifact. It says, instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a charge counter on Primal Amulet. Then, if there are four or more charge counters on it, you may remove those counters and transform it. It transforms into Primal Wellspring, which is a land that has tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. When that mana is spent to cast an instant or sorcery spell, Dr. Cat's that spell. You copy that spell and you may choose (laughs) new targets for the copy. This card is a lot of setup cost. Yeah, I just gave this a straight F. Did you? I gave it a build around D. Holy crap. You have already cast four spells. You have to cast four spells. And then you After have to you have, pay four mana. And then you have this. to have more spells that you want to double. I mean, I was a build around D is not a very endorsing. You're talking about, like I said, it was an A just, or something. Just I'll join you. I'll join you at F. Give, put the ban hammer down, Ben. All right, Banhammer down. Somebody's going to play with this card. Yeah, certainly, sure. do- certainly, Doctor Cat. We've talked Kat. crap about it, and, and like this should be on our achievement list for sure. But it's an F. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Shadowed Caravel. Two mana for a two-two vehicle. We've got another ship here. Uh, whenever a creature you control explores, put a plus one plus one counter on Shadowed Caravel. Is that a style of ship? I've never heard that word before. A caravel? Yeah. No, I have no idea. I have no idea either. All right, and it's got a crew cost of two. So I am not in love with this card at all. How about you? Oh, I thought you were going to craft some sort of like amazing board state where this would be great. <laughs> and then tell me why it's a why it's a build around A or whatever. No, I think I think we can keep it. The conversation short and sweet. What grade did you give it? I give it a D. I also gave it a D. All right. Next up is, do we need to talk about why it's a D? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think we can just move on. It's okay. a clunky vehicle that doesn't have any upside. Yeah, that's terrible when you draw it late. Uh, all right, Sorcerer's Spyglass is next. It's two colorless for an artifact. As Sorcerer's Spyglass enters the battlefield, look at an opponent's hand, then choose any card name. Activated abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. Now, if this let you say, if this said that they couldn't cast the card as well, this would be fine as like a Thoughtseize type effect, but it's not that. It's pretty bad, and I think like a d minus like maybe you bring this out of the sideboard against some stuff that you want to mess with like they have a planeswalker you don't want want them to be able to activate or something like that but you're never main decking this yep i give it a sideboard d next up we've got thaumatic compass two mana for an artifact it's got three mana tap search your library for basic land card reveal it put it into your hand and then shuffle your library at the beginning of your end step if you control seven or more lands transform thaumatic compass into spires of orazka it's a land flips into a land it's got tapped at a colorless mana to your mana pool and tap untap target attacking creature and opponent controls and remove it from combat so build your own maze of ith here yeah uh marshall suckliff just posted as like winning rares on twitter and he had two thematic compasses in his naya dino deck i before seeing that i was like this has to be terrible really but, uh, i think this card's good so two mana for an artifact, that then you pay three mana to find a land and put it into your hand. It doesn't even go into play. And then you have to get to seven lands, and then it, it is a sweet card. So, it's, you know, it's, you're thinking it's in a control shell, and then the land is a sweet payoff for a control deck because you get to basically blank their best attacker every turn. So it's a build round material for you? What, what do you think? I mean, I just, I just gave it a B in a control deck. B in a control deck? I don't know. It seems a little clunky for me. I'm, I'm a little lower. I'll go C in a control deck. I guess it also depends... I think it's worse in a strictly two-color deck. Like I think it has better app. Like, I think it's um, benefit to your deck goes up if you if the 
splashing a color is relevant for you, that it lets you find that one source, you know? Certainly, and you're going to hit land drops naturally, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you might only have to activate this. Like, I was initially where you were like, oh, this is pretty. But then I crafted my best case scenario of, like, you hit your... <laughs> You're just hitting your land drops, and maybe you, you activate you, this once, and then by yeah, turn six. You, you hit your you hit your first six land drops, easy peasy. You tap three mana, and then you've got a great card. Yeah. <laughs> now this, so let's say you activate this on your sixth turn or whatever, and then you play a land. This will be tapped when it transforms, right? E- so you don't yes. get to use this that turn. No. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with with C. Okay. All right. Next up, we have treasure map, two colorless for an artifact it has a uh, one tap to scry one put a landmark counter on treasure map then if there are three or more landmark counters on it remove those counters transform treasure map and create three treasure tokens and it transforms into treasure cove it's a land that can tap for a generic mana or can tap to sack of treasure draw a card another good one another good one this is a card i'm excited about i think it's i think it's, it's cheap the activation is cheap. The scry one is a relevant ability. It only needs three counters to uh, flip. It creates, it like fuels itself. It creates the three treasure tokens. So you're like getting back the mana you invested in the scrying. I think this all adds up to, maybe it's not even a, a build around or like a, in a control deck. Like this is just a sweet card. I gave it a B. I gave it a B plus. But yeah, very good card. I think it's sliding into all your decks. I want to step back to Thaumatic Compass again for a second. Mm-hmm. So I think... I I think part of my love of these sweet cards mm-hmm. is that we are coming off of Hour of Devastation. So would you want... I think that's where my best case scenario mentality is coming from. Would you want Thematic Compass and would you think it's good in Hour of Devastation? Yes. Like, I think... But this I, is not I, Hour of Devastation. I know, then. I know, I know, I know, I know. So that's... But I just want to point out to you, like... So I think, like, part of our job as a podcast is we want people to improve at these skills, right? Yeah. Like, people are listening to the podcast because they want to improve at their card evaluation skills and hear what we have to say about them. So I think I'm falling into best-case scenario mentality because I'm looking at these cards in the lens of our last format, which was Hour of Devastation, and this is not. And I think you're lower on these cards because you've already decided, not, not like set in stone, but you are anticipating that the format is going to be aggressive. Yes. Right? And And I am... Like not and like I don't think I have that same level of anticipation for the format, or I'm hoping that it's not going to be, or some something along those lines. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So I think I think that's where the difference in like my overrating some of these dirtily cards is coming from. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I I hope I'm wrong because I think a non hyper aggressive format is going to be more fun to do 200 drafts of, but it does look to me like the power level of a lot of cards are flat and the creatures at common are like want to be turning sideways yeah and you're, you're just being a lot more practical and pragmatic about it like you're you're being you're taking the card at face value not yeah. and i think i'm taking the card in the context of like looks awesome and wouldn't it be sweet if <laughs> yeah. yeah all right what's our last uh artifact here Last card is Vanquisher's Banner. This is five mana for an artifact. Uh, as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a creature spell of the chosen type, draw a card. I really like this card. Certainly a build around like you want it in a dedicated tribal deck. But it's so easy to build around. It's so easy to build around, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's, so there's like four, the four relevant creature types, merfolk, dinosaurs, pirates, and... Oh gosh. What is the last one? Merfolk, pirates dinosaurs and vampires vampires there it is the you're not necessarily going to be in those dedicated decks all the time but opening this i think incentivizes you to do that and if you are in that deck or if you're leaning that way and you open this in pack two or pack three or get past it like i think curving into that deck for this card is worth it um it's really good definitely gets a build around grade but i think it's build around b b plus yeah, I gave it a build around B plus. I think it immediately slots into half the decks in the format, like half sure. of the color, half of the color pairs in the format. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is even for a first pickable, like oh, build, ab- build around because you can just pick pickable. it and then see which tribe is open and mm-hmm. move yourself into that deck. It's not like it's a white black gold card. I mean, it's a gold card, but it's a a, a gold card that's Flexible. half of the color pairs. Yeah, yeah, and it's a build around. Like you get to, like you said, it's a you pick it first and you um, decide which tribe is open, but then you get to sort of lean into that tribe a little harder for a card that's a really big payoff yep all right um what do we got next we're going to the gold cards yeah the multicolored rares first one up is hostage taker this is two blue black for a two three human pirate 
When Hostage Taker enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature until Hostage Taker leaves the battlefield. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast that spell. The card is insanely good. Yeah, so it's like a Fiend Hunter effect that then lets you cast that creature? Yeah. I mean, that's an A. That's an A minus, an A, like... I gave it an A, and so I, I have a question for you, and I think I know the answer, but I just want to hear you confirm. So you exile their card, mm-hmm. and then you cast it, and mm-hmm. your hostage taker dies. You keep that card, right? Yeah. The only thing that, yeah, basically you need to cast the thing before they kill this to ensure they don't get it back. Yeah. If you get to cast that thing, it's a three for one. I mean, it's like Vizier of the Anointed is what it reminds me of in that like sense of this is a card you are removing a card from them, and you are gaining a card. It's a three-for-one if you cast the thing. It's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. And it's weird that it doesn't say target opponent control. So if you have some insane creature with, like, an Enter the Battlefield ability or something, you could mm-hmm. re-trigger it, I guess, with this, if you like really wanted to do that. Like the next rare we're going to look at? Like the next rare we're going to look at, yeah. This is a really, really powerful card. All right, next up we have uh, Regisaur Alpha. Good old Reg. Uh, <laughs> three red-green for a 4-4 four, four Dinosaur. Other dinosaurs you control have haste, and when Regisaur Alpha enters the battlefield, create a 3-3 green dinosaur creature token with Trample. This card's stupid. It's, a, it's fine. Yeah, this is stupid. This, again, I'm like, why is this rare? This is so annoying. So it's 5 mana for 7-7 seven, seven worth of stats, 3-3 three, three of which has haste and Trample. This is an A. It's another A. Yeah, this is a rock solid A. That's what I gave it as well. Pick it highly, put it in your deck, and you're going to kill people with it. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got admiral beckett brass this is our first (laughs) mythic rare yeah uh one blue black red so grixis three three for a legendary creature human pirate other pirates you control get plus one plus one at the beginning of your end step gain control of target non-land permanent controlled by a player who has dealt combat damage by three or more pirates this turn so of pirate lord that is difficult to cast but a pirate lord is good in a dedicated pirates deck and then if you ever get to act, like trigger that second ability, you're doing it. Yeah, and you're you're going to be able to. I mean, and you're going to be able to use treasure to help you cast this card. It's just great. I guess, I guess just like if they're being dealt damage by three or more pirates, you're close to winning the oh, game anyway. Oh, oh, oh. It's not attack. I, I Reading this hard, I read this card wrong. I thought it was, I just skipped, I stopped reading after controlled by a player who's dealt combat damage. <laughs> three or more is a little, all right, I'm revising my grade. <laughs> Three or more is a lot. Yeah, I don't think this is like bomb level. I think it's no, good no, 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 no. in a dedicated pirate deck. And also, I think it's easy if you're, because Grixis has access to treasures, I think it is not unreasonable for you to be blue-black, black-red, or blue-red pirates and just splash this off of a treasure. Yeah. But I, I thought it was I thought it was a single pirate had to deal damage before you no, gained no, control no. It's, or something. It's three. Okay. That's a little more reasonable. All right. Uh, what, what grade did you give it? Mostly a pirate lord. I gave it a B plus in a pirate deck. I, I'm going to give it a B plus as well. I had it at straight A when I thought it was only a one pirate. All right, next up is Gashoth, Sun's Avatar. Five red, green, white, so Naya, five and uh, uh, Naya colors. For a 7-6 legendary creature dinosaur avatar, it's got a lot of text, boys and girls. Strap in. Trample, Vigilance, Haste. Whenever Gashoth, Sun's Avatar, deals combat damage to a player, reveal that many cards from the top of your library, put any number of dinosaur creature cards from among them onto the battlefield, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Another bomb mythic rare. Yeah, I mean, again, 8-man is kind of a knock against it, but it has haste, which is strong, and also trample and vigilance, so like you're able to attack with it and block with it if it doesn't die. And the trample ability combos well with the rest of the tech, so like you're probably going to be able to, you're either trading with a bunch of creatures or looking at a bunch of cards from your library and getting dinos. Like, it's just great. I think you could probably even like splash this in a red-based pirate deck, like red-blue or red-black. Like, all it takes is two treasure to cast this card. Yeah, I wonder how good that is. It's like 7-6 trample vigilance haste, even if you don't hit a dinosaur. Yes. That's good. That is good. That's a, but then you're talking about a lot of setup costs, too, to have, like, two treasures hanging around. Sure, which maybe, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but still, rock solid. A minus? I give it an A. Uh, what's next? Hwatli, Warrior Poet. Three red-white for a Planeswalker. It's got three starting loyalty, three abilities. It's plus two is gain three life equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. Not gain three life, just gain life. Oh, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Gain life equal to the greatest readings hard. We've already mentioned it several times. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. We're learning. Zero, create a 3-3 green dinosaur creature token with trample. And minus X 
The Planeswalker deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. Creatures dealt damage this way can't block this turn. So all of that adds up to, I think all of those abilities are very flexible and good in different situations of the game. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this Planeswalker. The plus two, great when you're behind, assuming you've got a creature on the battlefield. The zero, it defends itself. Uh, making a 3-3 dinosaur is nothing to sneeze at. And then the minus X, there could be times when you just play this card, minus three, and kill them. Uh, like use it as a falter effect. I think it's very flexible, and I gave it an A. Yeah, this card seems rock solid to me. And I didn't actually quite realize how that that you could uh, use this ultimate like as soon as it came into play. I don't know why, but yeah, the, just because I don't really register Planeswalker ultimates for limited. <laughs> or I guess maybe I don't read the second half of cards is what we, we've learned. But uh, it's... Yeah, it's so versatile and and good at, in all stages of the game, just like you said. Rock solid A. Um, maybe best best rare in the format. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. All right, Tashana, Voice of Thunder is next. This is five green blue for a star star legendary creature, Merfolk Shaman. It says Tashana, Voice of Thunder's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand. You have no maximum hand size, and when Tashana enters the battlefield, draw a card for each creature you control. I don't know what to make of this card. A 7-mana card that's power and toughness is equal to the number of cards in your hand is not great because it's your top end, so your hand is probably empty. Yep. The fact that it replenishes your hand hand is nice, but uh, you have to have a board state for that to be good. And I think in Merfolk, if you've got a board state, you're probably killing your opponent dead. Yeah, that's what I put. I put this as a weird card, doesn't seem to slot into Merfolk, and there are so many different scenarios where this is either insane or terrible. This seems better. This I can get behind as like you're in a green based ramp deck or you're in a blue tre- deck that has treasures and you splash this um, as like a f- cool like finisher card, not finisher, but like a card draw plus creature effect. I mean, it's a very powerful effect. Like if you get to play this and it's a whatever, draw three. I mean, what was the card in um, Gate Crash? Prime Speaker Zagana? Prime Speaker Zagana, yeah. So that w- did a sort of similar thing like. It got a bunch of plus plus one counters when you drew cards and drew cards for creatures in play, I think. So this is probably very powerful, but I just don't know how at home it is in a green-blue aggro deck. I don't think it is at all. Yeah. I gave it a B-, minus, but I'm not sure. But I but I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know what deck it's going to go into. I gave it exactly the same grade. I gave it a B-. minus. What's next? Vona, Butcher of Magan. Three white-black for a 4-4 legendary creature vampire knight. It's got vigilance and lifelink, and then it has tap, pay 7 life, destroy target non-land permanent, activate this ability only during your turn. This card seems insanely good to me. Uh, so the play pattern play pattern is going to be you play this, hopefully it's got a good attack, and you attack, gain 4 life, and then post-combat you tap it and essentially pay three life because you netted four so seven minus four is three math is not hard and kill something that seems very good i read this card wrong again as you know (laughs) uh i read it i thought i I read the activate this ability only and then just didn't read the rest and i was like oh as a sorcery oh this is bad but the fact that you can do that you can go so now it all makes sense to me why it has vigilance so you get to attack and even if you have the life to spare you can pay the seven life to kill their like best blocker to ensure that this gets through and then gain the four life so do it in the reverse order they used oh yeah, yeah 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 i didn't even oh yep. hot dog i yep. just shortcutted that last i read the last sentence but i just shortcutted it as sorcery so you can do it in combat yeah you can do it in combat you can attack and then kill the thing and then gain four that makes this card even better yeah so now i think i have this at b plus this is i think now an a minus I had it at A minus anyway because I'm optimistic. You are optimistic, yeah. Four, four, four. Vigilance lifelink is great, and I mean, vampires got you're gonna have lifelink floating around. So this is a great place to dump. So even if you're not gaining life from this, maybe you've gained life from some other stuff, and you have uh, seven life to spare. All right, our last multicolored mythic rare is a doozy. Vraska Relic Seeker is four black green for a six loyalty planeswalker. And three abilities. The first ability is plus two. Cre- create a 2-2 black pirate creature token with menace. Uh, it has minus three. Destroy target artifact, creature, or enchantment. Create a treasure token. And it has minus ten. Target player's life total becomes one. Card's great. So you're going to use this in axis of uh, mortality, right? So you're going to make your own life total one. And then swap life totals, right? I'm glad you figured it out. All right, I got it. I got there. All right, I'm going to revise my grade for Axis of Mortality. 
<laughs> Alright, uh, this is great. This is a six mana high loyalty planeswalker. Yep. This can be a six mana planeswalker at eight loyalty when it comes into play and makes a 2-2. That is daunting in a game of limited magic. If you have any other board, board state to back up protecting this... That is not far away from getting to the minus 10 to make your opponent's life total 1, which goes very well with the 2-2 menacers that are going to make blocking miserable for your opponent. Now, the other scenario is you play this and you remove three loyalty counters to kill the best creature they have on the other side of the board, and you get a treasure token, which is also great. Yep, this card is just great. It's an A+. Yeah, fantastic card. So you, you like this card better than Huatli? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Not even close? I don't think so. Huh. I think, like, this can reach out and kill something. Hotly mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah. This makes... It's got so much more loyalty for just one yeah, mana. Yeah, so much more loyalty. That's true. I, I don't I don't think it's particularly close. All right. I, I would say Vraska's best card in the set. Yeah, that seems right. All right, we have five more cards to discuss, but really only one more card to discuss. Yeah, we got the... Did you call these the Buddy Lands? Is that what you called them? Yes, Buddy Lands. So we've got a cycle of, out. these are the allied color pairs, yeah? I'm not mm-hmm. very up on my allied enemy color pairs. These are the allied color pa- colored pairs. We've seen these cards before. They're reprints. Mm-hmm. Dragon Skull, Summit, Drown, Catacomb, Glacial Fortress, Rootbound, Crag, and Sun Petal Grove. So the color pairs are black, red, blue, black, white, blue, red, green, and green, white. Um, and all these lands uh, enter the battlefield tapped unless you control a land for each of the colors so if it's dragon skull summit taps for black or red and it comes into play tapped unless you control a swamp or a mountain so generally if you're in a two color deck and you're playing this on turn two it's going to come into play untapped so this can help enable some splashes and is certainly very nice in a two color deck um, but not a, not a pull into that deck by any stretch right no i gave these a c plus yeah i think certainly a c plus if you have a reason for the splash or you have uh are, are in these two colors i think these are going to be strong cards in those decks all right we made it oh my god we did it ben rare and mythic rare set review down these rares in general seem very underpowered to me except the gold ones except the gold ones well and but most of those are mythics there's two insanely good gold rares. Two insanely good gold rares. Yes, for sure. But I think, in general, this is not going to be a bomb-dependent format. No. But I think, as a result, it's going to feel especially bad when you play against these gold rares. Right. And you're probably, if you're making it to, like, the finals in leagues on Magic Online, you're probably going to see them more than you you would in, like, an eight-person pod. But, yeah, this, uh, this format, I'm nervous about it. It does seem like it's going to be aggressive, and I don't know how, like fun and replayable it's going to be but maybe it can like cor- like maybe it's like hyper aggressive it can cor- can correct or something or there's lifelink enough incidental life gain floating around that it'll slow down those aggro decks but it does seem to me like all these creatures just want to get turned sideways i certainly think there's a lot of room to explore though i think i think there's several things that could offset that mm-hmm. i think treasure ramping you could offset that and i think the life gain from vampires could offset that what what i'm worried about uh, I was thinking, like, while driving home from the band contest at midnight last night. <laughs> Just when you, when your most solid thoughts are occurring to you. Yeah, but I was, I was worried that the format was actually going to be like rock paper scissors, like, mm. like that, like that vampires beats merfolk and merfolk beats dinosaurs oh, yeah. and dinosaurs Ugh. beats. You know what I mean? That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, we are certainly curious to hear how everyone's uh, pre-release went this weekend. I'm like just ravenous for pictures of like decks that are doing well in this format and what those look like so yeah for sure um, keep posting them on twitter sharing them with us on uh in our email or various forms of social media yeah any rares you're really looking forward to playing or trying out i'm really looking forward to those like sacrifice outlet cards like that red black hijack deck is probably like the jank i'm most looking forward to doing other than like building a blue green beat down merfolk deck so i'm hoping that those rares are, are good like the four mana four three that is the repeatable threat and effect or the like maybe even the black flip land that kind of thing what about you uh revel and riches hands down yeah. not close yeah that flavor text line is pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> all right uh yeah and if you are while you're doing your pre-release or anything like that or listening to this interview if you've got any achievements that you want us to uh put down on the list shoot us an email we're probably going to try to have that out, what, like within a week, you think? Two weeks? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say two weeks we can have an achievement list up, maybe. Or I guess maybe, maybe sooner is better, so if people are unlocking them before we announce the lists, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll, we'll try and get that up uh, in, in a week or so. 
All right, next episode, next week, is going to be our first report from jamming as many drafts as possible. I'm assuming you're going to be doing a lot more than me, uh, but I've got I've got the week carefully planned out. Yeah? I'm going to I'm gonna be trying to do at least a draft a day. Nice. I am going to be dram- jamming as many drafts as possible, but I'm also going to be taking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, hopefully, off because I've got the GP next weekend. Oh, shoot. Yeah, we got to do a GP Providence report. Hopefully, we'll have a good GP Providence report for you guys uh, on our next episode. But it might just be a sad face, I had fun, but didn't do well report. But uh, either way, definitely have some info about how that weekend goes. This is my first uh, GP ever, so I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully, we can, can bring home a respectable record for the listeners. Yeah, it seems like the weather is going to be perfect for bro tanks. It was hot. Yeah. The band contest on Saturday. Lords of Limited bro tanks. Sun's out, guns out. All right. Thanks, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. It is excellent. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, You should always take a listen if you have not. You know, it's so funny. I'm always tempted when I listen to the podcast to stop listening. And then I make it this far, and you're always like, I love the outro music. And I'm like, you know what? I will give it a listen. And it always (laughs) makes makes me so happy. It's so good. It's exactly like, you know, he was like Salty Pretzels when he was asked, offered to write it for us. Mm-hmm. He was like, what do you want me to write? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, and he was like, all right, well, I'm gonna put some clarinet in it because you play clarinet, you know? And I said, I just want it to be really like positive and uplifting. And mm-hmm. it is exactly that. Like, it just like. And it's got, it's like, got like 8-bit music throwbacks because I like, Mega he knows Man. I love Nintendo and so much. And yeah. Yeah. It's just great. I just smile and I like get a spring in my step when I'm done editing the podcast every time. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, share us some photos of your decks. Uh, let us know what uh, achievements you think should be on our list, or you just want to watch us stream. You can check us out on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, we each have the same uh, handle on each of those. I am at Lord Tupperware on Twitch and Twitter, and Ben is at Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out, M-I-S-T-E-R. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, it's about uh, seven drafts up there. I did two more Modern Cube draft videos since uh, the last time we recorded. And uh, those are all up there. I don't have a fancy URL for that page yet, but uh, should be coming soon. But you can find a link to that from uh, my Twitch page is probably the easiest way to get that. If you've got any feedback about the show or questions, you can shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com, another place to get in touch with us. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you later.